0: in our Kingdom of Heaven series today. Uh, you may not have been here over the last couple of weeks. Uh, now that summer is here, people are coming and going. But uh, two weeks ago, we had an informational meeting about I Prepare the Way. And on the way out today, uh, on the table... On this side of the room, on the lobby, uh, there'll be a sheet that looks like this that gives you a little kind of an update of what uh, is going on. Uh, We desire to uh, complete our Prepare the Way project in light of our vision to be disciple-making missionaries who strengthen families, love neighbors, and transform communities with the gospel. And a part of that is creating a new front door to our church. Uh, We just need about $750,000 more uh, to make that happen. And so... uh, Checks, credit card, whatever you'd like. Uh, We'll make that happen eventually. But uh, we want to pray about that. But there's also some other things on that sheet uh, that will be prayer points for you. Uh, Things that we believe God is calling us to as a church. And so just to invite you to pray uh, about those things as well. Uh, And then if you haven't been over, or maybe you did, park today over at the FLC, you might have noticed something. Uh, There are actually... Painted parking places, uh, which is exciting uh, this past week. Uh, we got the parking lot painted, so there's uh, some handicapped spots that are very visible. Uh, now you know where to park uh, because the yellow lines are obvious, and so those are small things, but big things uh, as uh, our facility is going to be used more and more over the summer and I, I always just like to remind us over and over again uh, of the great things that that God does, and sometimes we don 't even know or because we we're not here on a particular Sunday, but, but we've had over 12 baptisms just uh, this year, which is exciting. Uh, and, and, and in the last week, we've had six people uh, accept Christ as their Savior over the last two weeks, which is thrilling. So I mentioned that last Sunday, we had four at youth camp, uh, one at a preteen camp, and uh, one young mom accepted Christ last week in our service here, uh, which was thrilling. And so just a reminder to us of uh, we need to be about the kingdom, and so let's continue uh, to be disciple-making missionaries. Well, today uh, we're going to be in Matthew 25, uh, towards the end of Matthew, and, and we're going to look at two different parables, uh, one very briefly and one longer. Uh, if you've been in church for a little bit, you know both of them. Uh, Uh, But these are really, uh, the second one that we're going to look more closely at is really about potential and opportunity and and what do you do with the opportunity given to you. And as I thought about that over the last few weeks, there are a number of people that came to mind that, that maybe missed their opportunity, didn't live up to their potential, got distracted and didn't become the person Who perhaps they should have been. I think about when I was uh, just out of high school, there was a young man named Todd Marinovich. Um, If you're my age and you liked football back then, uh, he was this protege of a kid whose whose dad did everything he could to create the perfect athlete. His diet, his regiment, his workout, everything. He ended up getting a great scholarship to USC, uh, but one day he cracked. uh, And His life went off the rails, and what his dad had created was actually a monster, unfortunately, and he missed out on many opportunities. Those of you that love baseball, you might remember Dwight Gooden, and the opportunity he had, he kind of gave it away, but there's some other folks that I want you to see and think about. There are two guys, Johnny Manziel and Bo Jackson. These are two guys, very different You know, Johnny Football won the Heisman, but got distracted by some other things in life and didn't quite become the professional quarterback that everyone thought it would be. Bo Jackson, on the other hand, I believe is the greatest athlete of all time, but he had a hip injury playing for the Oakland Raiders that derailed his career, and he didn't get to do the thing that he loved, which was play football and baseball uh, because of an injury. There are others like Megan Fox who have one bad interview and she slams the movie that made her famous and very rich, The Transformers, and her career went downhill from there. And then if you're older than me, you recognize James Dean who was an up-and-coming actor and he died very young. There are others like Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix, who are these great artists who died way too early. I, I want to encourage you, if, if you have some spare time today or sometime this week when nothing's happening, after VBS, after work in the evening, Google famous people who've died at age 27. Age 27. The, the list is Crazy. People who missed out on life because circumstances got in the way. Life sent them a different direction. People like Lance Armstrong and Pete Rose who made poor decisions that that derailed what they could have been. Guys like River Phoenix and Kurt Cobain For us old Astros fan, J.R. Richards, the great pitcher, who was a giant of a man and had a stroke. There's a lot of ways that potential and opportunity are unrealized. And today we're going to look at a parable that, that helps us see what it's like to live as part of the kingdom and to actually use what God has given us for His glory and for our joy. And so if you've got your Bible, Matthew 25, we're going to look at, at the first couple of verses in that chapter, and then we're going to skip ahead uh, after some comments. So look at Matthew 25, verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven, hence our series, and I had to put that in there. The kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, foolish and 5 were wise for when the foolish took their lamps they took no oil with them but the wise took flask of oil with their lamps so i want you to pause there for just a minute this parable remember is a story to illustrate a divine truth so this story the parable of the 10 virgins and the parable of the talents which we'll look at in a minute it is really about how ready we are for the kingdom How ready am I for the kingdom? Am I wise or foolish as I wait for the kingdom to be fully realized? Because these ten virgins were waiting for the bridegroom to arrive so they could have the festivities of the the wedding feast. We looked at a wedding feast last week. It's a huge deal. Even today, like the reception is the reason why everybody goes to a wedding you don't go for the ceremony as a participant. You go for the free food. That's why you go. And to see people make fools of them dancing, themselves dancing. That's why you go. But here was this, this party, and they had to be ready. But there were five of them that weren't ready. They didn't count the cost because they didn't know exactly when the bridegroom was returning, and so they went unprepared. And so as we think about that parable, about how ready are we, then Jesus shifts to this second parable, the parable of the talents, to talk about the responsibility we have in the interim, in the meantime, while we wait. And so let's look at verse 14 of Matthew 25. For it, that is the kingdom of heaven, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted To them, his property. Now, before we keep going, I want to remind you that the ancient world was an oral culture. That means they talked, they didn't write much. And so that's why five, two, and one are repeated a lot in here, because when you repeat things, you remember them. And so as you read this, think about it being spoken to you in a story form. And so he entrusted to them his property. To one, he gave five talents to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded them, and he made five talents more. So also the one who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Master, I knew you to be a hard man, not a great way to welcome your boss back. (laughs) I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given. And he will have an abundance from the one who has not. Even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Three weeks in a row of that beautiful ending. As we think about this passage, as we think about this general series of the kingdom of heaven, and what is it like to live as a citizen of the kingdom? What is it like to to live as a person who is anticipating the return of the Master, the return of the King? There there are three big questions that just to to take with us as we move forward in thinking about the kingdom of heaven. The first of those questions is Am I ready for the Lord's return? Am I ready for the Master to return? Am I ready for the King to return? Am I ready for Jesus to return? The only two answers for that are yes and no. And if the answer is yes, it's because you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, that you've trusted that he died on the cross. He lived a perfect life, a life that you and I cannot live, perfection. He lived a perfect life, and he died on a cross shedding his blood for our sin, for my sin, for your sin. And he rose again three days later, Conquering sin and death. When I put my faith and trust in him and him alone, then I'm ready. I'm ready for his return. But then the question is, what am I doing in the meantime? How am I serving the Lord? Am I serving the Lord? Am I using my opportunity at work, at school, at home, with my neighbors, friends, people I don't know? Am I serving the Lord Am I giving my life away? I was on the campus of Sam Houston State University this last week, and their motto, the the motto for the university is, the measure of a life is its service. Thank you, General Sam Houston. The measure of a life is its service. I've said it before here a number of times, the great preacher of centuries ago, Charles Spurgeon said, the reward for service is more service. And you'll understand why as, you, as we read this passage, but a- am I serving the Lord? Am I giving my life away for something greater than myself? And then finally, am I serving others and living up to my calling in the kingdom? Am I serving others and living up to my calling in the kingdom? Am I pointing others to the king? Or am I just sitting on the sidelines, waiting for someone else to do the work while I wait patiently for God to handle all the details? Because this master, he went on a long journey. And he gave each of these men a talent, a a certain number of talents And a talent in the ancient world was not actually a a dollar amount or gold or silver. No, it was a measure of weight. So five talents was a measure of weight. Scholars think it could have been gold or silver or copper that he gave these men. No one's really sure. And the truth is, it doesn't matter. He gave a lot to one. He gave some to another and some to another, all based on their ability. And that's the beauty of of the kingdom is that all of us have different levels of capacity. A 10-year-old has a different capacity than a 38-year-old. Someone that has years and years of of growing up in the the faith and the church, they have different capacity than someone who's a brand new believer. But God gives everyone ability and talent and giftedness and that's the beauty of the church, of the kingdom. I don't mean just the little C, First Baptist Friends, when I mean the big C church, the global universal church, the kingdom of God working together. That everyone has given, been given a different skill set. That's the majesty of the created order. And you and I need to be grateful that God has designed you and me Exactly the way he wants so that we can impact the kingdom to our fullest capacity. What a great privilege that is. What a great joy that is. That's how I'm going to serve the Lord. That's how I'm going to serve others and live up to my calling as a citizen of the kingdom. And these first two servants, they live up to their calling They double the talents. And when the master returns after his long journey, they come in and meet with him. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. There's a great reward for both of them. They enter into the joy of the master. That's the reward. The reward isn't so much they got to keep more talents. No, the reward is they experience the joy of the master. And when you and I serve and we live out our calling, when we, when we use our gifts, when we use our abilities to honor God and, and to encourage and equip others, there's an eternal reward. There's a great joy. Serving the Lord with joy, serving the Lord with purpose leads to joy. We should also serve the Lord with joy. It's both and. Like when you and I serve, we should be excited to do so. Whether that's sweep the front porch, paint a barrel, put clothes on a mannequin. Amen. <laughs> or that's teach a Sunday school class or give up a week's vacation so that we can serve kids or students. Whether that's commit to pray for those who don't know Jesus well, that's to, to say, you know what? I, I can smile and say hello. And so I'll be a great door greeter. Like, it doesn't matter. When you and I serve with purpose and we understand the purpose of that serving, there's great joy. And so the master gives both of these servants greater opportunity. And when you and I serve with a little and we serve with joy and purpose, then more opportunity arises. And as I mentioned earlier, the reward for service is more service. Not a vacation. Although we all need one occasionally. And so this great parable Is helping us focus our attention on what it means to actually use what God has given us to do greater things in the kingdom, to serve with joy, to serve with purpose. And yet, here this third guy walks in. This is if you want to like advance in your career or students when you get out of high school or college and get to the workforce, maybe your first job, this is how not to talk to your supervisor. He walks in, and the first thing out of his mouth is, Master, I know you're a hard man. (laughs) Good to see you too. Been gone for a while. Glad I'm back. And then he follows it up with this great encouragement. You don't work for your money. That's what he says. You don't work for your money. Like, you're a great business mind, but you make everybody else do the work. That's what he says here bad move buddy but then rather than casting blame which is what most of us do first anyway right when we when we fail when we struggle when when things aren't going well we often blame somebody else but then in a moment of honesty he shares what the root issue is verse 25 I was afraid. I was afraid. So he speaks to what he believes are his master's deficiencies, but in the end, it's his own weakness, it's his own fear that paralyzed him. He was afraid. Fear causes us to make poor decisions. And if I were to add that into a context and an application point for all of us, it's not just fear that makes us make bad decisions, but anger, frustration, jealousy, keeping up with the Joneses, those are all things in our context that also make us make poor decisions. Out of fear, he made a poor decision, just like in every horror movie you've ever seen because I don't watch them. (laughs) It's so true that what do they do? They made a commercial about it. They made a commercial. You remember it. These three or four young adults are in this farm area. There's a running car in the driveway. And then off in the distance, there's there's this storage unit full of chainsaws. And the one smart kid says, hey, let's go jump in the running car. And they're like, no, let's run behind the chainsaws. We make poor decisions out of fear. We make poor decisions when we're angry. We make poor decisions when we're frustrated. We make poor decisions when we're jealous. We make poor decisions when we think we have all the answers and so the master chastises him for wasting the asset for, for wasting the talent at least you could have done the minimum the minimum and taken it to the bank and earned the .05% interest that you and I get today at least you could have done that. And how often are we unwilling to even do the minimum? And so the truth for us, and the example of this servant, is that God has given each of us a valuable asset. It's called your life. Your abilities, your talent, who you are. He's given you that, your resource and the connections that you have, and his desire is for you to use them for his glory. His glory, not to waste them, not to blame others, not to let somebody else do it and say, you know what, I, I'll just, I'll just be there. You don't really need my help I don't want to help I don't want to be involved I just want to receive the benefit And when we waste What God has given us We waste the king's time And we waste our life And so the title of my message today Was don't waste the king's time But it might be a better position Don't waste your life Serve the king, and this is going to go here, so just don't even worry about it. Posters are falling. We're having fun today. And so, when you and I attempt to to conserve, preserve, protect in ways that don't honor God, that's what this man did. He dug a hole in the ground because he was scared. We don't honor the king. We don't live out the joy of the kingdom. We miss opportunities. And so the king, the master, sets this man on a course of dire consequence, just like the previous two. When you and I don't live for the king and in the kingdom, then we're put into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Not a fun place we're outside of the kingdom. We miss it for eternity and we're separated from God. And so as I look at these two parables as we wrap up this series, just to be reminded that that the parable of the ten virgins really is about readiness. Are you ready for the kingdom? Have you received Jesus Christ as your savior? If not, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There is a real place called heaven and a real place called hell. And you and I need to be ready for when the king calls us. And this second parable, the parable of the talent, is really about our commitment to the king, making our commitment to the king known that I'm gonna give my life and I'm gonna give it to the full for all of his glory. And in case you are wondering, how do I know I'm committed to the king? Well, your priorities determine how committed you are to the king. What are your priorities? What are your priorities? Is my priority to honor the king or protect and honor myself? Is my priority to honor Jesus or to inflate myself? to honor myself, to promote myself? Is, my, is it my priority to live in fear or to live with confidence? Is it my priority to live in anger or to live in peace? Is it my priority to live a life of discontentment or a life full of truth and trust? Is it my, life to, is it my priority to live a life of arrogance or humility? What are my priorities my priorities determine my commitment to the kingdom. Is it my priority to be responsible in the little, so that I 'll be responsible in the much, or the more, whatever's grammatically correct? Is it my priority to never risk? Or is it my priority to go boldly forward? If you watch the Super Bowl, I think it was this year, Matt Damon who's a great actor, but he was in a bad commercial. It was about cryptocurrency, which I don't understand at all, except that it's a volatile investment. And you can't touch it, um, so that doesn't help. But, but he was in this commercial where he was walking through this corridor about all these great achievements. And then he pans out and he says this as it closes, Fortune favors the bold. That's not original with Matt Damon. It's actually over 2,000 years old, that phrase, a Latin phrase. Terence, who lived around 160 B.C., Virgil, who was another writer, philosopher, and Pliny the Elder, who all lived before the time of Jesus, are all credited uh, with varying components and aspects of that statement. Fortune favors the bold. I would say it this way. As we think about going boldly forward. God honors faith. Faith. God honors faith. And you and I need to take confidence in our faith in Jesus Christ. And we'll go boldly forward for the kingdom's sake. Not for our sake. Not to protect our status quo and the thing that makes us the most comfortable, not out of fear or anger or jealousy, not out of our own desire to to see my life be good, but no, to honor the King, to be ready for the King, and to enter into the joy of my salvation. That's my prayer for us, that we would be people of joy, that we would be people of purpose, It would be people who God says, you know what? He or she's been faithful in a little. I'm going to make them over a lot. And they're going to help advance my kingdom in a great and mighty way. That's my prayer for us. And so may we be people of faith. Will you bow with me?